Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Home Matters Podcast. I'm Randy Brock, alongside Ron and Lynn Whiteman, and our special guest today is our friend Adam Sternke. And Adam wears a lot of hats. He's actually literally not wearing a hat today, but uh, works at Mayo, along with a few other people in Rochester, and he is a uh, professional photographer and videographer and uh, all-around good guy. So, Adam, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This is a whole lot of fun. Yeah. We hope to have fun. And um, Ron, what yes. have you been working on here lately? Um, I have a question for you. Okay, um, for me specifically. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. What's your zestimate? Do you know? <laughs> My zestimate on your house. Uh, I haven't looked in a really long time. Do you know, Adam? What your zestimate what? is? Oh, I thought you were going to say what Randy's zestimate <laughs> yeah. is. No, I if you knew that, I would be worried. <laughs> I haven't told Adam where we live yet. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I have seen it, though, uh, as we've kind of looked through, and it's just fun to kind of see if your neighbor's houses are for sale and, you know, see if hey, they're worth maybe more my, than yours. Maybe my mom could move in here, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I have seen that, but I've never given it much weight. Well, and that's exactly kind of where I was going to go with that. You know, I, we had an opportunity for someone that wants a evaluation on their house, and it's a, it's pretty unique. It's a very nice house, but... We talked to so many who put a lot of weight into the Zestimate, you know, the Zestimate is this or that, and, and uh, we think that Zillow probably is just a lot of fun and good entertainment, but what we do know about it is it's, it's often not accurate. Mm-hmm. And just before we sat down here, I looked at ours, and actually ours is not far off, but we've had a lot of sales in our neighborhood, and it's a pretty consistent neighborhood. But um, I was I talked to two appraisers today, and, and actually the difference between what Zillow would, would tell you your house was worth and what an actual appraisal is going to be uh, can be completely different things. Um, I'm actually going to see if I can pull mine up really quick while we're sitting here, and I've got it. Um, mine is... You have to say well, actual number. Wow. I mean, you should be like 1.2, 1.3, right. something yeah, like that. It's a little higher than I expected. $3.8 million. Dollars. <laughs> um, no, it's not. It's, it's not that much. <laughs> you should sell no, yours. Right, exactly. No, things that, are things are better than when I bought. That is not the house you bought from us. <laughs> no. So the and we often talk about you know updates and and, and it's how important it is to keep your house updated and maintained. And that was one of the first questions that the second appraiser I talked to today. Uh, I'll call him by name, Mike Becker. He's a good friend of ours and 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 knows this market here. But he said, you know, when you walk into this house, and this particular house is 28 years old, when you walk into it, um, first of all, what would it cost to rebuild that? And I gave him a number, and he said, so when you walk into a 28-year-old house, does it feel new? Does it feel 5 years old, 10 years old? Does it feel 30 years old? And then you take that approximate percentage off, and that's kind of where you start. Mm-hmm. And again, it was just a great reminder of two things, that not all homes side-by-side side are equal uh, in value and how important it is for us to keep reinvesting and rethinking about you know, things that we're going to be putting into our home, like flooring. Right. The thing that I want to say about that is, um, you know, we talk a lot about pricing homes, and often you you hit it right very very close you're very good at what you do um but it was interesting because this one was kind of giving you a little bit of grief and you did step outside away from the system and talk to people who are who are going to impact the sale of that home and that's the appraisers and you met with two of them to talk about pricing and they both they both aligned 
So you, you had gone above and beyond to make sure that these people were getting a, a good value estimate on their home, not just something that had been pulled from the system. So, you know, it's important to be connecting with the professionals who have access to and who work with these appraisers and with the people to make sure that that you're getting a really, really good value and not just assume that a, a plug-in-the-numbers program is going to do that for you, especially if you have a unique home, which this one was. Yeah. Is. Yeah, it's just it, we talk about the Zillow website, and for all the good things they do, it re- a lot of it typically is just surface information. And um, if you if you were thinking that you needed real value for whatever reason, uh, you absolutely want to do a little bit more research than that. And it's not a bad thing either. But a lot of buyers are really professional buyers. They've yes. been looking online for a long time. They spend a lot of time looking at Zillow. This is maybe a neighborhood that they've been looking mm-hmm. at. But the reality is, is that buyers when they're serious will have a chance to get inside a home when that home has a contract on it an appraiser will get inside that home which is a critical or a key element of the appraisal but zillow cannot see inside your home right there's nothing that's going to reflect what you've done to it what you've changed Um, there could have been some amazing updates done to a home that was built in 1883 and you've got uh, an old house right next to it that's had zero updates in a really long time, and there could be tens of thousands of dollars in difference between the two. So it just depends on what's happened on the inside and outside. Well, then the other thing that's important to know is that these people are, um, they are not moving soon. They, they are contemplating their future. And so these people are looking at, what am I going to be doing as I near retirement you know, five to eight years down the road, and they're beginning that process now. So it is, you know, it's not too early to connect in with someone because now they have a very real number that they can hang on to as they're looking at their finances, looking at what the next step is and where am I going next and how much money am I going to have to work with, and all of that. So it's not too soon to connect in with someone, even if you're not planning on making a move right away. It's great information that helps you plan for the future, regardless of the stage of life you're in. Absolutely. And again, this is not to bash Zillow or any of the websites that deal with real estate, because I think all of us tend to rely on what we see and read on the web. You know, we have Dr. Google, and we have Mechanic Google, and we have Builder Google, and anything that we need to do, we Google and YouTube how to do it. And it's just surface basic information. Um, so I think it's I think it's just really good, like Lynn said, to connect with somebody as you plan for the future. Well, that helps you get into a ballpark idea, too. And it's something we say to our, our buyers when they've moved in, and you're at the closing table, and you're thinking, all right, well, right now I'm paying PMI on this mortgage, mm-hmm. but you're close to that 20% that you've got an equity on it at least. And if you're not gonna move for 10 years, but you wanna get that part of your mortgage checked off and lower your monthly payments, we tell people this, we don't hear from them very often, but we're always happy to give them a valuation as well. Absolutely. And you know, you're the person sitting in that house, you might be looking at Zillow and it helps to get a professional's opinion on that too. Yeah. And I'm thinking money. about the people um, that you and I met with Randy and we, we visited about they were going to make some alterations to their home so that as they aged, they could stay in their home. Yeah. And as you and I visited with them and talked about it, I'm, I mean, when we left, the idea was 
it's probably not going to make sense for you to do these alterations, remodel, adjustments, all of that, but to, you know, sell the house and look for a different home. That was kind of hard news for her because she loves her home. Right. But on the other hand, it gave her clear direction before they went off spending thousands of dollars on some of these uh, a real big project. A yeah. really big project that was going to affect the value of her home. So now she's going, okay, then I do have the right guidance. Mm -hmm. So no matter what stage you're in, it's really good to connect. Yep. And we love we, we love to just come by and chat. chat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's always <clears throat> that use and enjoyment factor versus is this going to plug value Right. Into your house. Or take value away. Yeah. And if you're going to be in your home for another 25 years, use it and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But right. if you're going to be selling within the short term, that huge addition is not going to right. get you that return on investment. Yeah. That's one thing we've been thinking about with our place. I remember the, the full disclosure, Randy helped us find our house. But uh, we walked in uh, when we were viewing it because it's a mid-century style house. We really like it. It's got a lot of character. Uh, and we walked in. The first thing that Randy said was, "What do you think of the pink kitchen?" Oh, yeah, because <laughs> uh, it's it's built it in was six, very pink. It still is very pink. Uh, built in 1966, and uh, it's kind of fun because all the blueprints are there and remodeled in the early 90s. And the kitchen is early 90s appliances mm -hmm. and uh, early 90s colors. And uh, I feel like it's not too big of a deal to me, but I know Jamie, my wife, doesn't love it. Uh, so that's one of the things we've been talking about is, well, we want a kitchen that's going to work for us for a mm -hmm. long time because we plan on being there for a while. Um, so it's kind of it's fun to look at it less from a how much are we going to get on a return when we do this versus yeah. what are we going to get out of it that's going to improve how we use the space, how we enjoy the space. Right. So, uh, and the nice thing about your kitchen is it's it's a it's a big space. I yeah. mean, you'll be able to go in with lots of options um, and and make it a really nice place to enjoy. And we see so many people that um, wait until the end, and then they have to get busy and do some projects so that it markets well. Right. And you might as well do it and enjoy it. And often people will say, gosh, I wish I had done this sooner, you know. And so go for it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and if you're going to be in your house for another, let's say, 50 years. 50 years? Don't. <laughs> I check my watch here. I was just doing a little math here. Right. You have that really inconvenient rail that's in the master bed that goes to the bathroom. It's in the bed? Right. Yeah, so well, when you're 90, yeah. you might need that again. Yeah. See, it's... So we talked was, about this. Like, the, the laundry room is on the main level. All uh, the hallways are four feet wide. Like right. Uh, it's great. The original builder was in a wheelchair, so everything is handicap accessible, which was wonderful for moving. You just roll everything right in and mm -hmm. get it all set up. And, and there is literally a rail in the ceiling. Yeah, right? it's uh, yeah. it's like a, a device where they could kind of get in it and then pull himself into the shower. Yeah. Uh, and Have you used it? Uh, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, uh, for, you know, my wife is a CrossFit coach at, at uh, Detour Athletics, and we have, like, rings for doing gymnastics okay. movements. That were in the garage, but we've moved them in there so the kids swing on the rings in there. <laughs> and so it, was, it supports 50 pounds, 30 pounds, you know, pretty well. Uh, we haven't could, tested it I was going to say it could probably support 300 pounds. It You're probably, probably could, yeah. It's just fine. Yep. <laughs> 
But we digress. Yes. <laughs> we do. Oh, well, we might as well just start we'll dig into the start. conversation yes, with Adam. So. And so Adam Sternke, thank you very much for being with us today. Um, we're going to talk about you. Yeah, that'll I'm be. I'm sure you're really excited yeah. about. Everybody yep. is always really excited to talk about themselves. Like, yep. put me in the hot seat. <laughs> Let's get to it. So, um, and, and yeah, full disclosure, Adam is a friend of mine. Uh, really, I mean, uh, a very close friend of mine referred you, uh, and it's because you're related. Yep. Your sister's been living here since 2002. Sounds I think about right, in yeah. Rochester, and you're uh, you're a Minnesota native. So where did you yeah. grow up? So. Uh, Grew up in Fairmont, Minnesota, so just a couple hours west of here on I-90, and uh, was I was there my whole life. Uh, we, my parents, and I'm the youngest of five, so uh, while my dad was in school and whatnot, before that they were up in the cities and ended up moving down to Fairmont, Minnesota and settling there, and that's where he was a family practice physician for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, grew up there and loved it there, and we really enjoy Minnesota and kind of sticked around since. We kind of bounced around a little bit where, you know, we did school in the Twin Cities and then uh, my wife did school at UW-Stout, uh, stayed nearby. I still worked in the Twin Cities at the time. Uh, but it's just really nice to be close to family. And we thought when we settled down in Lakeville, uh, when we were pregnant with our first, Denison, uh, we thought, you know what, Lakeville's a great school district. This is going to be it. It's close to family. And then we found ourselves driving down to Rochester once a month or they'd come up here, or, you know, it was just like, well, we could just cut that distance down and, you know, be a 10-minute drive from each other. Right. How great would that be? So just kind of decided before Denison started kindergarten, let's like, let's just do it before school starts. And So you moved it. here to be with family. Yeah. I even see. closer, yeah. <clears throat> That's what's kept us here, but uh, wanted to be even closer still. So, uh, yeah. And we've got, you know, my youngest of five, we've got brothers in Indiana, Seattle, and Texas. So we, it's not like we kept everybody around, just the best ones. I see. I'm just kidding. They're all wonderful. But, uh, so they all end up coming back here uh, once during the summer for a family vacation and then once for holidays as well. So it's nice to have three houses uh, where we can kind of disperse everybody because we're a big family and it's hard to get us all under one roof. So, so Minnesota seems to be the hub. I found I'm a Minnesotan. I lived in Colorado for a while. I lived in Texas for a while, but I I just felt welcome back in Minnesota. I wanted to move back here. Do you think your siblings someday are going to say, "Yeah, Minnesota's where it's at"? Yeah, that's a good question. I I know my oldest brother considered it uh, for a while. They were in Indiana for a long time, and then South Carolina briefly, and then they ended up going back to Indiana. Uh, but uh, the others, I don't I don't see them coming back here. That's I feel like either you love the weather. Or you don't. And if you don't, (laughs) you're just fine moving away. That seems to be a common denominator. Uh, Right? Uh, And so it's one of those things where I think think they're very happy where they're at. They love Seattle and Texas and... Uh, they get we still get to see each other yeah. plenty. So so Rochester is bigger than Fairmont. Yep, considerably. Yep. Uh, smaller 10, certainly 000. than the, the Twin Cities in, in Lakeville. Um, do you like the size? Do you like Rochester? I mean, yeah. hey, how are you feeling about it now? Yeah, we're uh, you're on the record. Yeah, yep. we're loving it. Uh, if you could just <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we we are really liking it. There's kind of the cliche of you know it takes 15 minutes to to get everywhere, but uh, I didn't really realize it until we, it takes 15 minutes or less to pretty much get everywhere that how nice that is because in the twin cities it was like you know we're in lakeville it's a southern suburb you're still relatively close to everything but we have some friends in the northern twin cities that we never saw because 
it was 45 minutes to an hour, and then if there's construction, which there always is, or there's traffic, then it just, you know, puts a damper on things, and it takes forever to get anywhere, uh, which, you know, is a, a nice first-world problem, but yeah. uh, it's one of those things where we come down here, and it's like everything is, is great. Uh, I didn't realize how much I had liked it until uh, I remember trying to, like, run an errand on a 15-minute break uh, with when I was at Apple in the Best Buy here. Uh, and I went and did it really quick, and I normally could make it back just fine. And I got stuck behind a semi waiting to turn. And it took five minutes because yeah. it just was a tight turn, and they had to wait for everybody. And I was like, well, this is as bad as it gets. Yeah, This isn't that bad. It really you is. Know, yeah. right? like the only thing we have to complain about right now is that West Circle Drive has all the it has all the cones. Right? If anybody is missing an orange cone, we know where they're at. <laughs> <laughs> right? They're all over here. And we still get everywhere in 15 minutes. So you mentioned the word, and, and you are, I, I, this is so exciting. I mean, you are the only genius I know. I mean, how well, does that former work? former genius. I think you lose oh, it st- once you, uh, once oh, you leave. Oh, you lose role. your genius? I think so. I mean, I guess. That's, you have to get like a recertified <laughs> yeah, certification you, There are certifications program. you do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, that was, uh, that was a, a, a wonderful period in my life where uh, I worked for Apple as a, I was probably with the company for about 13 years. Really? And the majority of it was either as a genius or a lead genius. A lead genius. Right, yeah. Did uh, you have which, a name tag for that? Yep. Lead, lead yeah, genius. Business card said lead genius. On it. <laughs> and we all just, in, another full disclosure, we are all Apple geeks. Yes. Right, yeah. It's, Phones, <laughs> the MacBook, uh, the Macs. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, uh, we're nerds about it. They're wonderful. Uh, and there's a lot of good choices out there, too. That's what I would, you know, I, I sold for a little bit at the very beginning and at the very end of my time there. Uh, and it's, I never want to be pushy, like saying, you know, one thing's better than another because certain people have certain right. needs that, and if something else works great for you, that's great. I'm happy you've got something that works for you. But uh, there's a lot of benefits to the Apple side that uh, I've really enjoyed through the years. So what is an Apple genius? They are, that's a good question. They are the ones at an Apple store that do the troubleshooting and repairs on computers and iPhones. Uh, so when I started in 2005, it was just geniuses, uh, and then it switched to some other roles where people focused just on phones or just on troubleshooting, but not the repairs. Uh, but the genius side of things are the, those that do all the repairs and the troubleshooting, so they can kind of do it all. So you would physically crack open the machines, yep. and you'd work on the hard drives or replace stuff or add the memory sticks or yep. whatever it was. Yeah, take them all apart and put them back together. How did you learn to do that? Is that your background? Uh, no, my background is in psychology, so uh, that explains <laughs> well, that everything. Fits. Right, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, uh, that was uh, something I finished while I was at Apple uh, because it was one of those things where I, you know, love the product, love the company. Uh, so applied for a job there and got it, and then just kind of finished out school because it was relatively close to getting done with it. Uh, and I feel like the psychology side has helped with leadership and just relating to people and. Um, that's kind of interpersonal side of things. But uh, the technical side, I learned 100% from Apple. They train you really well and treat you really well and have ongoing trainings to keep you up to date. If there's new products that come out, there's a module that you go through to make sure you're certified to work on that machine, and they do a good job with it. So you didn't do that with other machines. It's just been Apple. Correct. So could you fix another machine? Could you troubleshoot there? Maybe. Uh, The... From a hardware perspective, probably. It's relatively straightforward as, you know, if you figure out which component failed, you'd look up online how to fix it, just like we were talking about, you know, Mm -hmm. Google Mechanic, uh, and you'd go through and fix it. But uh, on the software side, that's been interesting as I've transitioned out of using that in a work setting to 
using Windows, it was like a time travel back mm-hmm. 20 years to the last time I used it. It was like, this kind of looks the same, you know, mm-hmm. than it did when I learned it 20 years ago. But uh, so it's, there is some things that cross over as far as repairs and whatnot. But usually at the Genius Bar, when you're doing troubleshooting with somebody, uh, it would be a software-related issue. You know, I don't know how to do this, or I expect it to do this, but it's not doing it. What am I doing wrong, or why isn't it working? Um, so the kind of the way my brain works aligns with the way Apple products work. And it's you know partly because I do feel it's a little bit more intuitive, and partly because that's what I've known for a very long time. Mm-hmm. So did you ever meet Steve Jobs? I did not. Uh, I I went to when you do the Genius Rule, you uh, do go out to California for some training. I guess I should say you used to go out to California, do your training for a few weeks. Uh, and some people were in situations where they, you know, they had a fun story where they were at the cafeteria with him or whatnot. Uh, but no, I did not, did not ever meet him or Tim Cook. Okay. But uh, I've got a couple things signed from them for, you know, the service awards of five years and 10 years and whatnot. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, never had the pleasure to meet him. I, and these guys know I say this a lot. I, everybody's job looks easy till you do it. But being in that Apple store, coaching people from all kinds of backgrounds, you know, from a technical standpoint, I can't imagine that does not look easy. I can't imagine, you know, just walking up to person after person, having no idea what their problem is, and also what their knowledge of their problem and their product is, and trying to walk through that. Yeah, it uh, it was. And that was one of the things I really loved about it, too, is that you didn't really know what you were going to get into each day. It was just uh, if you were doing the support with customers on that side of things, it was wonderful because, you know, you'd get to meet many, many different types of people and with different backgrounds and experiences. Uh, And I always found the time to kind of interweave, you know, personal conversations in, like, where are you coming from? And, you know, find ways to relate to people on more than just a surface level. I feel like that, you know, it's just a, a... a good customer service thing to do, right? Because to mm-hmm. show that you really do care, you want to help them fix their issue. And, uh, you know, you hear a lot of horror stories about, you know, something that was a very rude customer or things mm-hmm. like that. But I never, in the 13 years, never really encountered a lot of them because you kind of uh, can diffuse them right away and let them know you're working towards solving whatever it is that they're having issues with. And that's one thing when I was on the lead genius side th- of things where, you're talking to people and trying to help your peers and coworkers. You know they're not going to be mad at you. It might feel like they're mad at you, but they're not mad at you. And and it's they're frustrated with their product and who knows what else is going on in their life. You know, there's been, you know, just awful circumstances where somebody's kid passed away and they're trying to get stuff off of the device and they're yeah. snapping at people and it's like I can't even imagine. So, um, if just finding yeah. that you know if you've got empathy in the customer service role, I feel like that's a, a formula to shine. That's huge. Did you ever meet someone who just didn't get it? Um, some have taken longer than others. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was polite. We got there. We ended up getting there. Uh, and that was part of the, the stress of it, too, is that you, you have a finite amount of time to resolve their issue because you have a queued system, and I have an appointment in 15 minutes, uh, and it's a decision that, you know, it's part of when you're coaching people, it's like your, your decision to spend an hour with this person, they loved you. You fix their issue. Everything is working wonderful. They're going to be a, a huge promoter and, you know, sing Apple's praises uh, or any company, you know, that does that. But there's three other people that were expecting to get helped in that hour, and they got pushed off to your other teammates, uh, and the queue got behind, and they had to wait. And so it's that balance of uh, trying to do it fast, but, but also with empathy and understanding and making sure that they understand what the actual solution is rather than just fixing it and handing it back to them. So, yeah. so it's... 
it was certainly tricky at times, but uh, I, I can't think of one where it was like, we can't figure it out. See you later. Are there any you know? like funny or outrageous experiences you had there? Like someone's like, ah, my phone won't charge, but there was a gummy bear stuck in the port or <laughs> right? something weird like that. Uh, you know, nothing too crazy, no. It's, uh, there's certainly, you know, strange situations, but nothing's coming to mind where it was like, oh, this one time. Uh, <laughs> when doing the repair side, it was always interesting to see how things got into the state that they were in. Sure. Like there's been laptops that were folded in half the wrong way. Uh, uh, it's just like it, got, it <laughs> fell off of the car I was in and a hurry. Run over. You know, it's, yeah. So you've seen some pretty uh, interestingly damaged things, and you know, some uh, people will tell you the story behind it. And uh, but it's just it was a fun way to relate yeah. to people all day, and you help. You know, if you're in the queue side of things, working through customers, you help anywhere from probably twenty to forty different people each day. But that doesn't include all the you know questions your coworker asked you to help with this certain thing. So it was just it was a fun experience to interact with people all day. Uh, in a supportive setting. Well, that's that says a lot about you as well, though, because you you have the technical skill in your head, but you also have people skills, and those don't always come together in the same body. Yeah, that uh, that's certainly true. And I've, you know, there's there's a lot of people out there that are extremely gifted on the technical side and just can't relate to others and can't kind of connect in a, a quick way or just mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's a okay. They can still help people out in different ways. But, uh, but yeah, it's one of the things that I've felt proud of as I've kind of gone through on a customer service side is I can learn as I go and kind of still be apt on the techno- technological side, but also focus on that interpersonal, you know, able to connect with somebody quickly and uh, just get to know them and make them feel comfortable in a setting where they're, you know, nobody's ever going into a customer service scenario being like, oh, I'm so excited that my phone's broken or, you know. <laughs> I'm so excited. I don't understand how to do this thing, and I need to take time out of my day to go ask somebody I've never met before. How, you know, yeah. So it's it's uh, it's fun. So sure. I'm interested because so you worked for Apple, huge name. Yeah. And now you're at the world famous Mayo Clinic. Right. Another huge name. How's that transition for you? Uh, it's been good. Uh, it was a big part of it. I think is the age of our kids and moving here, uh, because you know for the first. Oh, what was it? Probably six, seven years at Apple. It was just my wife and I. We didn't have any kids, so my schedule didn't matter a whole lot, right? It was like, okay, we can hang out in the morning because I work at night, or if I worked in the morning, we can hang out at night, or I've, you know, got Tuesday and Wednesday off. Great, we'll go do some stuff on Tuesday and Wednesday because uh, her job was flexible as well, or if, if she was in school at the time. But now things get a little bit more structured as our, both of our kids, one's in preschool and one's in first grade. So it's like, all right, well, from eight to three pretty much every day that's going on Uh, and the last position I had at Apple it was Tuesday and Wednesday off that was pretty Mm -hmm. much it like you worked every Saturday Sunday uh, very accommodating to you know requests off and whatnot but then you know you'd use up all of your vacation Mm -hmm. time just being with your whole family on the weekends so so that was a big motivator to switch uh, to a job that was you know normal quote-unquote normal business hours eight to five and uh, yeah, Mayo was the obvious choice. It's just a, such a well-known company. And uh, that was, you know, I've got a little bit of experience there with my father being a physician. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was, you know, one of the physicians when the Fairmont Clinic transitioned to the Mayo Clinic, you know, as they kind of purchased and, you know, connected with all these other smaller clinics in the area. 
So a little bit of a history there and uh, some family that works at Mayo as well. So so you went from Apple genius to surgeon, brain surgeon, something like yes, that? Is that yep, what you yep. did? That, that, that was actually what I told my uh, supervisor when he was, uh, he was very surprised uh, at Apple when I put in my two-week notice to say, hey, I'm going to be leaving. Uh, yeah. Because uh, he was like, oh, what are you going to be doing? And I was like, well, I'm going to go work for Mayo Clinic. I'm going to be a doctor. <laughs> he was like, really? And I was like, no, I'm just... I'm just trying to make a joke in a serious situation. And uh, he's like, oh, I don't know. Could have been. I was like, but yeah, now whenever you have been. a family get together, you say, I work for Mayo Clinic. And then someone's like, hey, could you look at this, this, <laughs> yeah, this right? mole? Or yeah. like, anyone would hand you their iPhone before. Like, right. Yeah. This? And still, on? like, family will reach out. My nephew, my adult nephew, was asking me, hey, I'm getting a new computer soon. You can hook me up with one of those discounts. And I was like, I left Apple a year and a half ago. <laughs> I was like, oh, I must have missed that. <laughs> Hope you're well. Uh, and I was like, but if you need some world-class health care, yeah. mm-hmm. I can't help you with that, but I recommend, you know, yeah. it's not like I get a discount on, you know. Help get you a foot in the door. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's been a, a great change, especially from the schedule side. You know, a very consistent eight to five uh, ability to work from home at times, every weekend off. It's just, I don't know, there's nothing. And, and you know, people that have done that their whole life maybe don't see it the way that I see it, but it's such such a nice thing to be able to, have that consistency of putting kids to bed every night and having every weekend together. And so I was visiting with a couple of friends of mine who work, I'm going to say behind the scenes at Mayo Clinic, meaning they don't have direct contact with patients, which you probably don't either. Correct. <clears throat> and it, and it was interesting because, you know, as they visited about um, some of the things that were going on in their departments and I started because we volunteer at Mayo, I started saying, this is what the patients are saying about what you're doing behind the scenes and the value that that brings to the people who, I mean, you get you get caught up in this great big um, nonprofit foundation and not everybody is a physician, not everybody sees the patients, not everybody hears the stories that Ron and I are privileged to hear. And to understand that without without what you're doing behind the scenes, the patient doesn't get that same experience right. in front of the curtain, um, it, it brings huge value. So even even the people who are working behind the scenes doing technical or doing um, legal or doing you know research, they, they, they may not see those patients, but what you do matters. Yep. Yeah. And I feel like Mayo does a great job kind of instilling that too. Like even if you don't have direct patient contact, you still, you know, you're still, your mission is still the needs of the patient come first. And that kind of drives your focus, whether you're doing a, you know, a ticket where somebody doesn't have their access that they need and they can't help a patient or if you're just setting something up. So when they start, they can, you know, mm-hmm. it's a smooth process. So uh, I think that's a great value uh, to, to kind of drive the focus for an institution. And the other thing that happens is people like you who don't necessarily have direct contact, but if you're out in the hallways and someone is standing around trying to figure out where they're at, employees will reach out and yeah. say, can I help you? Right. Where are you going? You know, and Ron and I have experienced that because we got downtown and um, I don't know why we couldn't figure out where we were going. And this man walking past us, I think he was a physician, I'm not sure, he said, where are you trying to get to? I mean, he had no idea yeah. that we should know where we're going. Um, <laughs> but that culture is yeah. very, very strong at the Mayo Clinic. Yep. And yeah, and I feel that in our, you know, our little team as well. We mostly interact with, you know, everybody looks out for each other and helps each other 
you know, right. get better at whatever it is you're, you're working on because we support so many different things that it's hard to stay on top of it where, you know, you remember how to do this process or that process. So it's, it's good to feel surrounded by others that are just kind of trying to build everybody up. But now that's your day job. Yeah. And what you, what you really are passionate about and why Ron and I got to know you yeah. is, is photography. Yes. And yeah. you're starting a business. Yes. Uh, I've been working on photography and videography more seriously probably for about three years now. Uh, always have loved it and enjoyed it and made family videos and taken pictures of family members and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, started to kind of reach out to others just to let people know, hey, I can you know, do family pictures or you know, make a video of your wedding and things like that. So it's, uh, it's been fun to do that as well, which was also part of the transition because I would have to ask for a weekend off to go shoot a wedding. Mm-hmm. And now it's just it's built in where mm-hmm. most people's weddings or events and when they're available to do pictures and videos is on the weekends and evenings. So uh, that aligns really well with kind of my extracurricular activities, as it were. So have you always had a camera in your hand or when did you start taking pictures? That's a good question. I would probably say it was uh, relatively close to when I started at Apple back in 2005, uh, a little bit more seriously. Like I did, you know, fun videos and things like that, but uh, got a nicer Nikon camera uh, at that time. You know, when you get a real job, you start to have money that you can spend on stuff, which is fun. But uh, uh, so started to get into it then and get some different lenses and whatnot. And uh, and it was mostly just, you know, pictures of, you know, if my wife and I travel somewhere, a lot of pictures of our cats <laughs> back in the day, uh, which those poor cats, after you have kids, it's just like, yeah. they're Sorry. still around. But and, and cats don't pose very well for you. They don't, no. Very tired. Uh, but yes, it's, uh, it's, it's been probably 15 years that I've, you know, had a, a strong passion for it where if like, you know, you kind of figure out the, you know, how to do lighting and different thoughts, thought processes, you're kind of trying to compose the shot that it's in your head and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, it's been the last three years pretty seriously with kind of sharing it with others. So is our weddings your thing? Are you, because you've done business pictures for us. Yep. Um, we, we didn't get married, so we didn't use you for that. I mean, not recently. We did get married. We did, <laughs> but not recently. Um, um, she's just finding out. <laughs> I guess the cat's out of the bag. Right, we yeah. Yeah, we did. But what what kind of jazz is you? What do you get excited about when you're doing photography? Yeah, I would say just coming up with a, a unique way to approach something. You know, there's Instagram and Facebook. There's a lot of similar stuff out there. And, and if that's what somebody is most interested in, we can certainly go that route. But if it's, especially on the video side, uh, I've found that, you know, couples that'll reach out to me saying, hey, can you... Are you available on this date for a wedding? And we talk a little bit. Uh, they're not like, well, we want it to be like this. They've just kind of seen some of the videos that we've made and thought, yep, that's what we want. Uh, so it's it's fun to come up with kind of fun or creative establishing shots or different ways to see things that kind of capture how the day felt, but you maybe didn't notice it in the moment. So it's And then you watch that video and you kind of look back and it's a fuller picture of what happened on your wedding day because if... I mean, having found out just now that you guys are married, I don't know if you remember your wedding day. I'm trying to think back to mine. You know, oh, it's some, a blur. Right? It's 15 years ago. It's like, okay, I remember a couple things, I, you know, but yeah. it would be so fun to have just a video kind of yeah. capturing the whole day from getting ready to dancing and everything in between. 
I think it's fair to say uh, that your business there is it's really blossomed here recently too. And yeah, it's connections busy. at the gym. You're doing family photos. Um, you're doing wedding photos and video. But the one that I wanted to ask you about that's intriguing to me is it's more and more popular now for couples to have engagement photos. Yeah, you're not being tapped by both individuals, isn't it? It's a Right. It's a, yeah, I've, I've only done a, a handful, yeah, but uh, it's been a surprise every time where uh, where one of them is unaware, which is a whole lot of fun to yeah. to help the person that's doing the surprise, you know, come up with it. But you have to hide, right? Do you have like yeah. a ghillie suit or right? Well, for, <laughs> for one of them, it was it was hiding. We we were out at the plumber house, and it was you know kind of came up with all right, where could we put the stuff that you wanted to set up, like a gift that he was giving. Um, so I would just hide down some steps, and once they were kind of far enough away, I just ran out and laid down in the grass so they couldn't see me, and it was behind him anyway, so they probably wouldn't. But uh, And that one was kind of fun, too, because uh, as I was, we kind of went there with the now uh, groom-to-be, uh, we were kind of scoping it out and saying, all right, well, here's where you can set it up, and I'll sneak in back here, and I'm waiting for, he went to go pick her up, and I'm waiting. I'm like, I have two cameras, and I'm not going to be anywhere near them. I only need one for this first shot. So I hid one of the cameras in a tree to get a video of them, which nice. they weren't expecting at all. So it was fun to, to have a little video of it uh, from, you know, the, behind a tree. But uh, So just kind of coming up with creative ways to help people capture memories is, is so fun. Uh, and one of the other ones, the, the engagement one, was the, the idea was I reached out to say, hey, I'm trying to build my portfolio a little bit more. Would you guys be willing to just be a, do a couple session? You could dress up. We'll have fun with it. But oh. the whole premise was he was going to ask her to marry him. So. You'd want to be yes. really that sure that oh, person. Oh, she said yes. I was just going to say that. You'd want to be really sure that that person was going to say <laughs> yes. <laughs> you go to all this trouble to have a <laughs> video and photos and, no, nah, I don't think so. Oh, let me think about that. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Drop your camera and walk away. I told you before, no. Right. Yeah. <laughs> More to the story. Oh. Uh, yeah. Now you keep. I keep hearing the word "we." Does your yeah. wife work with you? Yes, she'll uh, she'll help out as well. Uh, so it's always tricky because sometimes it's you know our kids are uh, getting older and you know it's a little bit more work sometimes for people to watch them and whatnot because uh, they're running around all the time. So if she's able to come with, it's great to have a second shooter at weddings and she has a great eye for the creative side as well for establishing shots and whatnot. There's been situations where I've done a wedding and I'm like looking through everything. I'm like, these are all pictures of people you know, are all, you know, videos of people. And she does a good eye for kind of capturing the staging of everything, right? Like how did, okay. you know, where are the flowers at? How is the, the room situated? Um, so she, she helps out with that. And then pretty much every album that I'll send to a couple or a family or things like that, she'll kind of look through them and be like, I don't know about this one. You know, so she'll kind of mm -hmm. give the final okay to be like, all right, is this, is this good when I'm sending this to somebody? I want them to love it. Uh, so she'll, she'll kind of be another layer of defense to make sure that the, only the best stuff gets delivered. So does this stay a uh, hobby part-time job? Is it, where do you see it going yeah, for it's, you? Uh, it's gotten this year to the point where I've turned down some stuff, which okay. uh, is you know good and bad because uh, yeah. it's just too busy to do weddings and fall family photos and senior photos and things like that. Um, it would be a whole lot of fun to do it full-time but uh it's also great to work at mayo and you know have that consistency and those benefits mm -hmm. and you know there's a lot that goes with that type of role sure. versus you know jumping and yep. you know going from there so 
maybe long term. It's one of those things where it's still a little bit early, but uh, I've been loving the flexibility to to do both and find time for that because on the the creative side is really what kind of drives me and keeps me going and nice. uh, is a whole lot of fun. Uh, and it's good to kind of be grounded as well and you know staying at you know trying to advance at Mayo and you know contribute there and help others. So uh, it's a good balance right now. In ten years, who knows? Tough to say. You know, the interesting is I, I tell people all the time when they're planning a wedding, if, if <clears throat> they ask for any kind of input, is you can scrimp on anything except the photographer. Yeah. Because you have a big job. I mean, you've got a one-time shot. It's not like you can redo that day. Yep. Right, yeah. Oh, sorry, I had the wrong hey, lighting. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot to put a memory card in. Can we roll this back? <laughs> do the kiss again. Yeah. <laughs> so do you feel that pressure when you're doing it? Uh, a little bit. Uh, it's. Uh, I, I would say Jamie feels that pressure a little bit more when she's helping out just because it is there's weight to it right if you you gotta you've got to get all the shots that they expect and you want to you know present something that really is uh something that they love from the day yeah um so it's double checking settings double checking that you know you're you're getting the shots you're intending to get and you kind of go into it uh beforehand you know you've got your ideas of the shots you're going to get and if you've done been at that venue before you kind of have some experience but it's a lot more fun honestly to be a place you haven't been because then you get to try to come up with creative things uh, yeah. on your own but but yeah I don't know the the pressure side is and maybe it's my uh, personality like even for this you sent me a couple few questions beforehand and I looked at them and I was like great I'm going to think about those and have some good answers uh, beforehand and then it's just I don't know it's the same thing for job interviews it's like I'm just going to go into it and be myself and so it's probably a there's a psychological explanation for it as well that you know I'm blocking the nervousness of it by just saying this is going to be great I'm going to yeah roll well, with it and, and have fun with it and it is yeah we had, we were our friends of ours had a wedding and they kind of scrimped on the photographer a little bit and he left before the reception um, so there are like no pictures of yeah. the reception and they, and they you know walk up to Ron and say do you have your camera right He's going, yes. uh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> So, we all have a, so we're back to Apple. We all have our iPhones yep. out. We're all taking Which, pictures. Getting better and better. Like, so <laughs> now we have this new. Oh, man. I Isn't know. it great? I, I have, I've only used others, but that super wide lens is it's just so fun to have in your pocket. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so do you ever wake up three in the morning, cold sweats, had a dream about losing the battery pack on your way to a wedding or anything like that? You're, you're no, pretty cool about it all. Yeah, I haven't. Not that I can Not yet think anyway. of. Yeah, all right. right. Wait until I make the <laughs> next one. Next Don't one. do no, that. You won't do that. Right. You won't do it. Um, final question from me. Your mm-hmm. wife is a, a CrossFit coach. Yeah. And you do the CrossFitting as well. I try to keep up. We, we spend a little. Do you guys ever have competition at home? Is there ever, like, who wins arm wrestling, right. you or Jamie? Uh, we, we have <laughs> arm wrestled, I think, twice. And it was, you know, as a, a peer pressure scenario at a get-together for the oh, gym. It was like, hey, sure. you guys should. Yeah. Uh, and and I did win that, uh, and she wasn't happy about that. She's relatively so a little, competitive. There's a little competition. Yeah, yep. Uh, that, but that's about the only thing I can beat her in. So if there's, it's going to do more push-ups. Right. Yeah. She's pull-ups. She's, she's on it. Yeah. She uh, yeah. she's hard to keep up with, but that keeps me going. So awesome. So how do people get a hold of you if they're looking for a photographer or just someone to talk with about a little problem they're having? With? Don't call about your iPhone. Yeah, I, uh, and actually, it's been interesting being out of that for two years now because it's there's so much different stuff, and like I'm I'm using Google to look up things and be like, <laughs> okay, yeah, that makes sense. How you would fix that? Like it doesn't just click in yeah. my head anymore. Like 
well, this is how you solve that because operating systems change and right. things all the change. Time. Over, yeah, so it's it's uh, being away from that a little bit. Uh, I can st- still retain the, I can get to know you and we can have a good time, but it's like, I'm going to have to look up how to fix that. <laughs> and that's, you know, if my siblings text me like, hey, I'm having this trouble with my computer, I just look it up online. I'm like, here's how you fix it. And right. like, Great, thanks. I don't say, just look it up. But, <laughs> but if someone needs a photographer for a wedding, family shoot, anything like that, Sternkey yeah. Photography. Yep, sternkeyphoto.com or on Instagram or uh, Facebook, just at Sternkey Photo. My last name, S-T-E-R-N-K-E, photo. Probably the easiest way. And you're reachable. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We'll talk about your project. And All right. We have one last question for you. Yes. Who has inspired you? Who mentored you? Who's who comes to mind? That's that's a good one, and and thrown in later too. As I was saying, yeah. Lynn kind of pre- prepped me on some It's handwritten on the notes yeah, here. <laughs> uh, and uh, that one, uh, I, I gotta say, my dad, just from a, a leadership and uh, the kind of interpersonal, relating to others and listening. Uh, and he was, you know, he's, my whole life was a doctor uh, and never really wanted to be called Dr. Sternke. Like, you'd correct people like, I'm just Dennis. Let's, you know, uh, if people wanted to, you know, say that part of it, it was, it was something he was just fine with, but very humble, very giving, very empathetic to others and just great at listening. And uh, that's kind of what drives me as well, is just making others feel good. So nothing on the photography side or anything, but uh, just on how to be a good person. That's awesome. That is awesome. And it comes through. It does. Thank you. All right. Adam Sternke, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you'd like to get a hold of us, uh, our email address is info at whitemanbrock.com. We're at whitemanbrock.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us there as well. Thank you for listening.